It's the next level. Hmm? Ah! Oh. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, nice. Keep it coming. Uh, you were right. Okay, that's two. Hit me. Those pants don't make you look fat. <laughs> now you got it. Only three things a woman needs to hear. Come on, <laughs> get up. We got work to do. What's your problem, Jumbotron? Shut up, bread neck man. Touche. Welcome to another episode of We Have to Go Back, Lost Revisited. Uh, I am your one of your hosts, Ben Beck. And I'm the other host, Trisha Tanaka. The ghost of Trisha Tanaka. There you go, that's better. <laughs> <laughs> this week we dive deeper into season three. Uh, episode 10, Trisha Tanaka is dead. Spoiler! <laughs> Kind of spoils what happens in the episode, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, it does. Yeah, especially uh, when, especially when you see the title and then and then you go to that scene and she's like, "I'm Trisha Tanaka." You're like, "You're dead." You're dead. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I love the fact too that the title of the episode is literally thirty seconds of the episode. That's really all yes. it is. Yes, but it it does propel a lot of uh, Hurley's next action. So. It really does, and we can't wait to talk about that because we talked about this last episode. We love this episode so much. Yeah, you know, this is one of those episodes where it is it's iconic because because of how hopeful it is, because of how joyful it is. And a lot of people, if you talk about Lost, you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody that didn't have this as one of their favorite episodes of the series. I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah, it's, um, you know, and it's funny because there's one particular moment in this episode that is probably one of my favorite moments of the entire series. It's everybody's and, favorite moment. And then when you go back and you rewatch the episode, you realize there's so much more in this episode that I absolutely love other than just that moment. Mm-hmm. You know, I agree. There's so, there's so many great heartwarming and like just fantastic moments funny moments and things that it's it's going to be fun to dive into it really not to is. mention the end of the episode has a a pretty great bombshell yeah well is it is it a bombshell or is it something we've kind of been diving we've kind it's of been it's a bombshell for Rousseau's character yes that okay that's yeah that's fair so uh, before we go any further, of course, we have to remind you, this is a spoiler full podcast. And trust me, there are a couple things that happen in this episode. We will be talking about how they Roger Workman, Roger, not just Roger Workman, but the Camaro and the Roger Camaro. Workman and <laughs> it's, it's Workman, <laughs> you blockhead. Well, you're a red 
neck man. Shut up, red neck you. man. <laughs> Touche. Touche. <laughs> so God, I love that. I, I seriously, I could, I could seriously watch a spinoff show of just Sawyer, Hurley, Jin, and Vincent, and Charlie. Yeah, even I don't though even Charlie, Charlie doesn't there. even come in. Yeah, I was gonna say Charlie yeah. doesn't even come into that till later. I don't even need Charlie there. <laughs> so, which is um, great because those three are uh, in. Th- those three are the ones that are in the time warp. No, yes, yeah, mm-hmm. no. Hurley, Hurley goes home. He eventually goes back, but Hurley does. Oh, come that's home. that's right. That's right. So, Wait a minute. Never mind. I, I could have swore he's in the picture in Dharma. Yeah, they all are because they took that picture after they came back. We'll oh, get that's to it. R- that's that's right. That's right. Okay. Um, yeah, because Jack and Kate are there as well. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a separate event that happens afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So all right. So let's dive a little bit deeper into the episode. I. It's funny. I have maybe four or five notes, but there's so much I want to talk about because I don't even really need to i didn't feel like the need to write my notes down this week because a lot of this stuff is in my head because of how much i love this episode yeah so um yeah so let's dive into it and as i usually do i'm gonna kick it over to you where do you want to start with this one so i want to start with the fact that i think that this episode this the reason why a lot of people like this episode i think um is that or have good memories of this episode is that we just went through a really weird first half of season three kind of slog. It was real heavy, you know, it was a lot of cages and Jack, you know, wrestling with something. And it, we're coming off of an episode that is viewed as the worst episode of the series with um, a Stranger yeah. in a Strange Land. Um, and I felt like this episode recaptured the magic of Lost. We had Sawyer coming back to camp and um, just getting into his little hijinks that he usually gets into. Um, you have Hurley and Charlie forming um, the the beginning of their of their best friend bond. You have Jin, who who you know doesn't even know what he's volunteered <laughs> Which is a great for. moment. Um and any and and anytime there's oh, Jin is involved in anything and people are trying to communicate with him without sun, I just it's it's comedy gold to me. Um especially Hurley thinks he has to shout at Jin like like that's going to help. He's like, "I'm going over there." And Jin's like, "What?" Like you can see on his face, "Why the <laughs> yeah, fuck are you exactly. shouting at me?" <laughs> You know, and then, um, and then, you know, you have Sawyer getting drunk and Jin getting drunk and that's really fun. Like there's just, there's so much lightheartedness to this episode and I love any episode that has a good re, a beach reunion. And then you have, um, you know, uh, somebody, Kate and Locke and Saeed are about to go on uh, a side mission, which is always great. Uh, You have a really, a really great flashback story with Hurley. It's not fluff. It's not 
like some garbage like last week. So uh, coming off of just a really kind of bummer of an episode from last week into this hopeful, lighthearted, like back to basics lost episode, I think was just so good for the, the for the for the for my fan yeah. soul. Oh, I, I mean, yeah, you you your talk about that you mentioned how bad the episode we talked about last week was with Stranger in a Strange Land and how it's one of the worst episodes of the series. And it's so dynamic about how we go from one of the worst to one of the best. And maybe mm-hmm. that's something that enhances why this has become one of the best is because it was such a dynamic change in enjoyability of the episode mm-hmm. from one to the other. Mm-hmm. Um that maybe that just enhanced it. But I don't think that's true either. I think if, even if this didn't follow Stranger in a Strange Land, I still think this episode would have been one of people's favorites. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not taking away from the fact that this is a great episode. I'm just saying like- Oh, I didn't. No, I was sticks, reiterating what I said. Right. It just, it sticks in your brain, I think, a little bit more than it probably because would of because yeah. of it. Because we've been on Hydra Island for way too long. We've been in this slog of a situation for way too long. I think that they've, I think that they really tapped out the number of episodes that you could do on Hydra Island, and and it's great. I mean, you know, we're entering into a different, um, uh, a different uh, phase of of Lost. So you know, you have to build up those those others characters a little bit more, and and we have to believe that you know we we care about a few of them or or what the direction the show is going to be. But I think that we could have probably done that in half of the episodes that, yeah, I mean, yeah, not I nine that- episodes. I mean, this episode 10, we just got off of Hydra Island. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. We've barely yeah, I mean, seen Jin and Son. Barely seen it, them. <clears throat> yeah. It's one of those instances where the writers had to say like, like, okay, Hey, guess what? Remember there are other characters. Yeah, um, and we need to see them. So don't worry, I mean, Nikki and Paolo are still here, guys. Yeah, I mean because this is, I think, we're ten episodes into the season, and we haven't seen Jin for the past six. Or Saeed. Where the hell is Saeed? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I mean, this was a great way to bring those characters back into it, and you're right, and to kind of bring more of a lightheartedness and an escape of the dark that we've gotten so far with, like you mentioned, being yeah. locked up in the cages, Hydra Island. This was such a great way to release us of that and kind of refresh us into why we love this series mm-hmm. and why we love yeah. these characters because they're just right so such such great characters. And, you know, it It also said, like, hey, there's also this dark cloud over Charlie because Desmond can see the future and says he's going to die. But we're going to play with that in a positive way of Charlie's abandon to that and getting into the car with solidarity with his new friend, Hurley. And Hurley gives such a great speech, you know, like you have there's still Sawyer is still an outsider, but that's not brought in until the last few minutes of the episode. Right. We still have a problem with the others but that's not the focus of the episode, but we're going to touch on it a little bit. So, so they're touching on on everything that's going on. It's like it's almost like a regroup. Like, okay, let's regroup. Here we are. This is where we are. Now let's move forward. Yeah, it's not forgotten. I mean, it's it's a great way to 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 
raise the mood of everything while still reminding us of everything that's going on. Unlike Stranger in a Strange Land, which pretty much we got nothing but just Jack and Juliet and a completely pointless backstory. Um, oh my gosh, the you worst. know. But you're right. This week we get like so many great moments. Um, another Hurley centric episode, which are always fantastic. And yeah, but you're right. At the this same- one was a little maddening. Only because his dad is such a fucking douche. Well, I I want to talk a little bit about that at one point, too, because um, diving into Hurley's backstory a little bit, I want to get one thing out of the way. And there, like I said, there's one discrepancy I noticed about this episode that is a little confusing to me. I don't know if it's anything you noticed, but it really has to do with um, a little bit of the timeline of the flashbacks. Um, you know, in this episode, obviously we see that Randy is Hurley's uh, employee now, but he's the manager of the, the cluck. Um, what's the name of the restaurant? The, the cluck it or clucky uh, chicken, chicken, something like chicken, cluck, bucket, chicken chat. Cluck I don't know. Bu- cluck it bucket. Uh, the cluck, Hang on. the cluck it, fuck it bucket. I don't know. It's, I don't remember. Chicken shack. Yeah. Something like that. Cluck, cluck it shack. Or is it cluck you? I don't remember. I don't remember what it's called. Anyway, <laughs> The chi- <laughs> KFC light, um, not a sponsor. Uh, anyway, so you know, <laughs> we we get that moment with you know with Randy there as his employee, his former we who we saw in flashbacks was his former um, former boss, now his employee. The asteroid or meteor hits Trisha Tanaka dies. We get and then Hurley goes through this whole existential crisis about like the bad luck. It's further. We, which we've seen in the past already, you know, with the issues with his mom breaking her leg, the house burning down, which is reminded, we're reminded of again this episode uh, with his grandfather dying and such. But we see that moment where he he releases the two chefs from Bennigan's, which I absolutely love. Um, mm-hmm. And he wants to get rid of the money. So there's this very short period of time between when the... Um, Trisha Tanaka dies and to the point where he realizes he needs to go to Australia. His father comes back after 17 years and needs to go back. I love Cheech Marin, though. So, I mean, I realize it's. Yeah, but his father is a jerk. Furthering my point of that. This is nothing but an island of daddy issues. (laughs) And and did you notice real quick what his father's name was? Dave. (laughs) Is it really? Yes, it David is. David Reyes. His name is David. His father's name is David. David Reyes. Which we could dive back into the whole Dave episode, but we're not going to. Okay. Um. But anyway, to further my discrepancy of the timeline, it's a very short period of time between when Trisha Tanaka dies and Hurley decides he needs to go to Australia and he leaves for Australia. What we also have seen, though, in past episodes and past flashbacks is Randy is also Locke's boss. At right. the box company. Right. So when did all of that happen? Because Locke leaves for Australia right after seeing Randy. So that's a pretty quick turnaround for Randy to have gone from the cluck restaurant to the box company. So if if it was that quick of a turnaround, at the moment we see Randy as Locke's boss, he has not been Locke's boss for very long at all. Maybe a day or two. Hmm. Well, that was when That's Hurley it. had his big green uh, Humvee or yellow Humvee. He had that ridiculous Humvee because I remember he pulled it up. He pulled it up uh, in the parking lot to the box company in one episode. Yes. 
But that's what I'm trying to figure out is where does that all play? Unless Randy was the manager at the box company and then left to take over the chicken restaurant again, which to me seems kind of like a step down. I don't know. See, that's where I'm when I say there's a discrepancy in the timeline. That's where it is. I don't re I don't know where all of these things happen because it's a very short period of time that all of this happens. Locke, after seeing talking to Randy, leaves for Australia relatively soon, but yet after Trisha Tanaka dies, Hurley leaves for Australia relatively quickly. So where does this all happen? Because Randy's a part of both of them. That's what I mean by there's a there's a timeline discrepancy in there. Hmm. And I, and I just, I can't, for the life of me, I can't figure out what the timeline is. But I figured I'd get that out of the way now because everything else I have to say about this episode is positive. Yeah, I wonder if there's an article or anything that addresses that. I'm sure there is. Hey, Des, is there? <laughs> That's almost like your own form of Alexa. Hey, Des. Yeah, well, I know. <laughs> I know. He's my It's going expert. to be now. I know. It's going <laughs> Let's ask Des. Hey Des. Let's ask Des. Hey Des. I like except it. it takes a except it takes us a week to get a response instead of instantly. Well Yeah. Or a couple or a couple days. He listens to it and then messages us. He'll hear it tomorrow. Yeah. So I mean that was that was really the next thing I wanted to dive into was I just wanted to get that discrepancy out of the way. So but with that, and I and I also got to mention that Hurley's father's name was David, which was another actual note that I had. Yeah, that's interesting. So that's actually um, very interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, and just real quick, going back to reiterate one of the other things that you said, and then I'll turn it back over to you. Is you know this is a very Hurley centric episode, but this is a big episode in my opinion for Sawyer too. I think Sawyer comes into a big revelation by the end. Um, and that is, I think. Well, that was my next point. So I'm. And it's not it's not a revelation. So you can definitely add on to that. But my one of my main points that I have of this episode is that Sawyer is back. He's back and it's awesome and it's wonderful. Like he's all angry and and that's my stuff and you're taking my stuff. And then Hurley's like, you're alive. And then all of a sudden Sawyer, like it's like Sawyer has this, this crusty outer shell that he just like puts on and he acts like such a dick. But then when somebody shows that they genuinely care about him, it's like it melts away. Like it was never there. And Sawyer turned into like, like friendly Sawyer, you know, and he hugs Hurley back. And then he's like, all about whatever Hurley's doing. Like, even though he makes fun of him the whole time, he still doesn't leave him. He still doesn't, you know, make fun of him and say, what you're doing is stupid, like, and mean it. You know what I mean? Like, he may say it, but he doesn't, he's not leaving and 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 being a jerk about it. He's still there. Uh, granted, it's for the beer, but at least he's still there, you <laughs> well, know? I mean, yeah, I mean, and I think a difference in, the, in this time, too, is, you know, the Sawyer of old, the Sawyer that we had first met when the series started, had Hurley asked him to do this, Sawyer literally probably, if he stayed, would have had the beer, grabbed the beer out of the, out of the van, leaned up against a tree, and just watched it all happen. But now we're right. seeing a different Sawyer who's actually helping tilt the bus over, helping him push it, helping him get it fixed, helping him clean it out, helping to find heads in the back. And 
you know, it's it's one of those situations where he's become a different person. He's kind of evolved to the point where he doesn't need to know why this is important to Hurley. But the fact that this is important to Hurley is enough to let him help is enough to mm-hmm. want him to help. Which is a completely different Sawyer than we know from when we first met Sawyer. And it's a wonderful Sawyer, you know? I mean, it, I, I I like seeing him with Jin. I think him and Jin have a very authentic friendship. I like seeing him with Hurley. I like seeing him with these really likable characters and these complicated characters because it, it makes him less uh, hostile. Yes. Yeah, agree. You know? And so, you know, Kate... Kate knows how to dig in and make him feel bad about himself. And and it's like she does that right before they get on the beach. Like she's like, she like pulls away. And I just don't, I like Kate as a character, but the way that she treats Sawyer just throughout the entire series just has never sat well with me. Um, I feel like she does play Jack and Sawyer against each other a lot to her benefit. Um, I think that they all kind of do that to each other. I think that Jack and Kate play with Sawyer to each of their own benefit. And it doesn't, it's it's not a good color on e- either of them. So when Sawyer is away from that, when he's away from the Jack and Kate, you know, contest or whatever it is that they're playing at, I, that's when Sawyer's at his best. I agree with you that. You know, when he yeah. was on the raft, when he was on the raft with Michael and Jen, he was, he, he was amazing, you know? Um, so I, I, I just, love the fact that we got a really good strong dose of vintage Sawyer and I I'm just I'm here for it you're right I mean he's <laughs> he's removed he's taken out of that love triangle he seems to get constantly trapped in um mm-hmm. but I right but I think one of the other big things about this episode too is you know we get that moment at the end with the music montage like kind of sort of how we got last week with a music montage um, you know, we get another one this week and we see Sawyer on the beach drinking the beer and he looks over at Jin and Son. He looks over at at Charlie and, and um, um, oh, my God, um, uh, Claire, I, for the life of me, I couldn't remember her name. Yeah. Um, That's OK. But I think I think one of the different. That was real fun. Though. Yeah. To <laughs> me trying to search for her name. Um, <laughs> it's funny because I know her real name is Emily Duravin and I couldn't think of Claire to save my life for that moment. Um <laughs> But, you know, we see I think there's a real moment here of clarity for Sawyer in that, you know, when he was trapped in the cage with Kate and, you know, they had their moments together. I think Sawyer might have come to a realization of something he wanted that he didn't realize he wanted. And that's a companion. And he's because mm, he, that's what he was looking at. You're right. That's what he's seeing in Charlie and Claire. That's what he's seeing in Jin and Son. And I think he had a taste of it. And now Kate's run off on her own to go back to Jack. And he's realizing, you know, that's something I want. And that's something I don't have. And I, I thought I had and I'm realizing I don't. But the beauty of that moment is he's going to get it. Um you know, in the form of another character that we've already met who have these two characters haven't even met each other yet. I'm so excited for that, too. Well, you know, they've met each other. Oh, that's right. They have. They've met each other. I mean, and it, it yes, we're it, when we're reminded that that's coming, we're also reminded that that's going to end in such a heartbreaking way. But he's still for at least a while. He's going to get that companionship he's craving right now. 
Mm-hmm. But that's what I took out of that moment is that he realized he realized something he needed that he never knew he wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's how I took that whole montage of him looking around. So. Yeah, I, I I took that as well. I mean, he's he had a taste of what he wanted, absolutely, and now he's by himself with the beer, and you know, it, it it's to feel like you don't quite fit in is that's hard to portray without words, and I think that um, I think. Oh my gosh, James Holloway, right? Yeah, Josh Holloway. Josh Holloway. I, Josh, I agreed with yeah, you. Wow, well, that was bad. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think Josh Holloway is just so such an underrated talent. Um, you know, he was he was amazing in Colony. I've said that a million times. Um, he's and and I think he was just so good as Sawyer. You know, I, he was able to take this redneck, borderline racist, awful human being and turn him into a layered, complex, just wonderful character who by the end you just you really you 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 root for him and you want him to be better and he disappoints you and and you're proud of him and you just go through this whole roller coaster with this with this character Sawyer and Josh Holloway just he nails it every every week and and this week we got we got every personality that Sawyer had you know it started off with with Sawyer trying to like figure out what him and Kate were going to, you know, how how they were going to enter back into the camp and and he he showed a kind of a vulnerable side. We saw the the dick side of him trying to get his stuff back. We saw the fun side of him starting that van, the drunk Sawyer, and then we saw, <laughs> you know, isolated and and wants a girlfriend or companion Sawyer. But he has Vincent. He had Vincent, which was nice. Yeah, he had Vincent by his side at the end of it, you know, when he was drinking the beer at the tent. And can I just say how ridiculous but yet typical Sawyer it is that even though the beer is old, stale, flat, and skunky, he's still enjoying it. Uh, I would be too. <laughs> Beer's beer. Yeah. <laughs> and if if you grow up, and my guess is that his beer that he's been drinking has been like natural light it or, is. you know, Keystone light yes. or some bullshit beer like that. So this I, is uh, really my guess not that is different. it's not too far from it. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> he's not like, I only drink porters. No, he doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like he's going from Sam Adams to Dharma beer. He's going from, yeah. Right. He's going from natty. <laughs> <laughs> to to Dharma, which is not that big of a difference. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I think PBR would be a step up from probably what he's drinking. Probably. So. Yeah, that's very true. Um, but, you know, when you, when you talk about like all the different shades of Sawyer that we got in this episode, um, that's a great band name, Shades of Sawyer. Um, I, you know, I... I've... Pockets of Hurley. <laughs> Pocket full of Hurley. That's it. Pocket full of now Hurley. We got, that's now we got Pocket full of Hurley, and now we have Shades of Sawyer. Shades of Sawyer. That, well, that's the album name. <laughs> <laughs> Shades of Sawyer with their hit single, Pocket Full of Hurley. Um, <laughs> which, you know, it's funny, too, because Weezer actually named an ep- named one of their albums Hurley. And, it ha- and the cover was Jorge Garcia. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, like the, the point I was getting to, I love the fact that, you know, there's this whole moment where Sawyer's trying to be a hard ass 
about like the 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 scotch being drunk and all his things being taken and then you know he goes to confront hurley because you know desmond and charlie tell him hurley was part of it too and they were they threw him so under the bus so quick yeah they did um but but what i love too and it's one of those notes it's a note that i have too hurley hugs heel because it's you know they do. He's, Sawyer is got he's got that hard ass attitude on he's got that hard ass face he's going there to yell he's going there to intimidate and then Hurley runs over so happy to see him and hugs him and it all just fades away from Sawyer like he's just he's happy to have been missed mm-hmm. yeah like yeah. And, and, you know it's Hurley that makes him realize. Okay, I was actually missed. Like people actually missed me and realized I was gone. You know, and that's just part of the character and the love of Hurley is that Hurley can make anybody realize that they are loved. And that, well, and that is why Hurley ends up the way that he does in this series. He does. And with, and it's funny because there was a part of me that was watching this, especially when Vincent comes out of the comes out of the jungle holding the, <laughs> the arm yeah. with the rabbit's foot, and I think the rabbit's foot is really the key there because Hurley sees the rabbit's foot and says, "I think we need to get that." Yeah, his his luck has been so bad that the rabbit's foot, being a symbol of good luck, he needs that rabbit's foot. He needed a win, man. <laughs> Poor yeah. guy. So you know. And Vincent follows him and Charlie's like, you know, yeah, you follow the dog with the dead arm in its mouth into the jungle. I'll be right here. Yeah. Um, you know, but there was a part of me when that moment happened, I was like, oh, you know what? This is like the new Scooby-Doo adventures. This is Scooby and Shaggy. This is Hurley and Vincent. Mm-hmm. I need more of this. And then I realized I'm like, wait, this is what we end up with at the end. Yes. And it took a minute for that to click with me. Vincent, the never dying dog. <laughs> yes, and with Hurley by his side. Yeah, Aww. you know the whole the whole series wraps basically with the new adventures of Scooby and Shaggy in in the form of Vincent and Hurley. <laughs> so, yeah, but I just again, there's so much about this episode I love. I mean, there's still more stuff we haven't even mentioned yet. But yeah, I want to yeah, turn yeah. I want to turn it back over to you uh, to see what else you've got. Um, so I don't have, like, I could talk about anything really when, when it comes to this episode, but, um, something that I, I want to talk about the end. Okay. Um, so I, first of all, I love the fact that, um, that Locke and Saeed are, are following Kate through the jungle, right? They don't know why, but they're, they've decided, yeah, you seem to be on a mission, so we're going to follow you, and we're going to be a part of it. Um, now, I forget why. Let me look at my notes real quick, because apparently I didn't write this down. Why would I? <laughs> why would I write anything down? Excuse, par- Pardon the page shuffling here, listeners. Um the only right. yeah the only the only note that I have is Kate catches Saeed in lockup with current events that that's just so <laughs> so informative um so she asks now remind me on this she asks uh Locke and Saeed why they didn't come after to save them right? Well, I mean, if I remember the scene correctly, it's 
you know, well, I think it's no, I, I think it's the opposite. I think it's Locke and Saeed who say to Kate, like, if you were going off on this mission, why didn't you ask us to go with you? And she's like, well, because you don't have the proper motivation. You don't know where you're going. And then that's where Locke says, no, you're wrong. Not about not about the motivation, but about the direction. And I find it very interesting in that scene, too, that this is another one of those moments where there's kind of like a little bit of a blind trust, no matter how ridiculous it is. We talked a little bit about how Sawyer is helping Hurley, whether he thinks the idea is stupid or not. He feels this is important to Hurley. He's going to help him. I think we get another moment of that with Saeed and Locke, because when, you know, when Kate asks, like, what, why did you, what makes you think the direction is wrong? Saeed says in a very sarcastic way, because Mr. Echo stick told him this was the direction to go. <laughs> but at the I same time, Saeed. If you think that's that, if you think that that particular reasoning for Locke is that ridiculous, why are you with him? And right, it's another right. one of those moments of blind trust, and that like, okay, for some reason Locke finds this important, I'm going to help him with it. Or is it Saeed just trying to keep his people alive because he thinks that enough people have died for their own cockamamie plans? <laughs> well, that could be it too. And thank you for using the word cockamamie. <laughs> I have not heard that word used in years. So thank you for using that. He's locking his wily hijinks. <laughs> What's that rascal up to now? Oh my god. That's like that's that's like saying like, you know, cockamamie plans and all because of Mr. Echo's doohickey. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, Saeed is probably, I mean, he's probably all in with whatever Locke is going to say, especially, I mean, Locke has shown some really great leadership, by the way, uh, since Jack has been gone. He's inclusive. He wants to hear everybody's plans. If somebody says something, he doesn't diminish them. He doesn't devalue them. He says, that's a great idea. That's something that I didn't think about, you know? So yeah. it, it's wonderful that that he is in the lead position. And I think that Saeed is comfortable with that. And so he's just like, yeah, I'll go wherever you're going to go. I mean, I'm going to be your muscle and I'm going to like maybe bring you back to earth when you're a little too far up in the clouds. But it's just so funny because he's like, yeah, like you can tell what he's not saying to Kate is I'm here and I'm saying these words and I realize how ridiculous it sounds, but that's why we're here, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're here because of light on a stick. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's right. Yeah, it was the way the light shined on Mr. Yeah, Echo's stick. Yeah, the way that's the right. light hit the stick, that's the direction we're going, apparently. Like, <laughs> you yeah. just see him, like, mentally using air quotes. <laughs> yes, exactly. And it's just, it's, but again, I think, it, you could be right, though. It could be just the fact that Sawyer, or that Saeed just doesn't want more people to die, so he's following Locke to make sure nothing happens to him. How many people have died at this point? I mean, if the island can take Echo down... No, not you. It <laughs> just has to happen. I, I love it. I think it, you need to change the name. I cannot. We have so like, many I, of those devices throughout our entire house, and every single one has a different name. I know. I'm, I'm the same way. I have three of them, and they're all different names. Anyways, but if the island can take Mr. Echo down, <laughs> then, I mean, I'd be a little worried about my people. Oh, yeah. I mean, because then anybody's fair game at that point yes. to the island. Yes. 
And then, and then, you know, when not Penny's boat happens, then you know, okay, all bets oh, are off. Why did you have to? Why all did you bets have to are off. That? But I'm just saying, the island is ruthless, ruthless. So you know what? If 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 an island and a smoke monster are killing my friends, um. And and the other survivors, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna trust the guy who can all of a sudden walk again because of the island and his you know light stick navigation. Because what well, else are you gonna do? Go go well, search then, for coconuts. Yeah, well, that also you know furthers the fact that that means that also in addition to you know trusting Locke, that means that Sayid is try is finally starting to buy into whatever this island is. You know, I, love if, if he, I know you do. There's so <laughs> many characters. I mean, again, I mean, we're, we're at a point where there's so many damn characters that we're that ha- we've we've grown to love. Like we're at that point in the series that we are now we've now grown to love all these characters for different reasons. And it comes down to the point where when we lose one of them now, like when we lost Boone, people were sad. But I don't think we're nearly we were nearly as attached to Boone as we are to these characters now. No, of course not. Well, because Ac- we're so much further off. Mr. Echo was, um, <laughs> well, that was a soul-crushing episode for me, you know? I mean, and I don't know yeah. who we had more of. I don't know if we had more of him or if we had more of Boone. I mean, Boone was definitely a, a, a very impactful character. But yeah, I mean, certain characters just crush you more, whether, uh, no matter how much time well, they've spent on the island. But yeah, you're invested in the story. You're invested in in kind of the direction of where you're going at this point. So when you lose, when you lose somebody on, on the side that you're rooting for, no matter what, that's going to be rough. Unless it's Nikki and Paolo, then you like just put oh the God, dirt yeah. on them. They, and- could, they, could, they could go. I mean, it was that was one of those moments like when Nikki opens her eyes right before the dirt hits her in the face. I'm like, yes, she's still alive and she's buried alive. Oh. <laughs> Oh, you are. You're nasty. <laughs> I know. I'm I'm gruesome. I don't like those characters. Clearly. Like, even when they're <laughs> even when they show up in this episode, uh, you know, and we get that moment with Paolo and he's like, oh, we're all out of Dharma oat bars. So what? Eat a mango. <laughs> yeah, you dick. I know. What a dick. Um, anyway, so Wait. the end of the episode. So the end of the episode. <laughs> When <laughs> Thank you for changing the, the topics. So when the gunshots, you know, ring out and it's very clear, like Kate has command of the situation she's like no lower your weapons we're here for a reason okay you come out and then you see that it's Rousseau now all of us that have been paying close attention to the show we know why she's there you know but Rousseau doesn't know she's there and I love it when an audience knows something that a character doesn't and you're just waiting for it to happen I I love yeah love that element of television and so you know, you get, you finally get that payoff it's, at the end when Kate says, I'm pretty sure that 16 year old that saved me, her name was Alex. And, and you see what the gravity of that sentence was to Danielle Rousseau. And you see that her whole world in one sentence has been changed. And then you hear, boom, lost. And you're like, yes, lost is back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's funny that you mentioned that too, that whole, that whole scenario where the audience knows something before. A character does. And I, I I don't know if there's an actual name for that, but I have a name for that. I call that like the Clark Kent moment, um, you know, because you look at Superman and Clark Kent. Us as an audience know that Clark Kent is Superman, but nobody else knows. Oh, so when yeah. you get like, you know, so when you get those moments like in, say, like Smallville or Lois and Clark or wherever, when a character finds out that this person is the other person, 
that's that reveal mm-hmm. the character finding out something that we have known as an audience for so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so. and you know, it's not something that we've really known as an audience either, but it's like people that are serious fans of the show, they've speculated. And so it's confirmation yes. on it. Right. So not only is it, it's like, um, it, it, it's like R, R plus L equals J from um, Game of Thrones. We all know that, and I'm going to spoil Game of Thrones for everybody if you haven't been living under a rock for the last 10 years. But It's been months. We're past spoiler. Yeah. So, we're when, past spoiler so when you find out, so you go through the whole series knowing that Jon Snow is uh, Lyanna Stark's son with Rhaegar Targaryen. You know it. What? (laughs) You know it. You know it in your bones. But it's not until the end of like season five or season six. No, season six. Yeah. It's not until the end of like season six. I had to to double check that. Um, That you get confirmation on it. And I'll never forget the feeling that, oh my gosh, I got confirmation on this. And so it's kind of like this on a smaller scale. It's, I think that this girl who calls herself Alex, I think that this is Rousseau's daughter. I wonder if this is Rousseau's daughter. She says that she's Ben's daughter. So what is that? I don't really understand. And then you get Kate and she tells it to Rousseau. And you know, in that moment, yes, that's Rousseau's daughter. Let's fucking on. Let's do this. And it's a good feeling as a viewer. And I apologize well, I mean, even- <clears throat> to anybody for spoiling Game of Thrones for you if that's what I did. But let me tell you something. Season eight is bullshit. So don't even bother. <laughs> well, but I mean, even as an audience member at this point, like, we, yes, you're right. We have that inclination that Alex is Rousseau's daughter. Um, but I mean, even even at this point in the series, there's still not confirmation. We we but we have that acknowledgement that okay these characters are starting to believe what we've believing all, what we've believed all along too, right? Because it's still it's still not confirmed yet that Alex is Russo's daughter, but now the characters are starting to get that same that's that same curiosity that we have had all this time. So it puts us on the same, just like everyone's a on the reveal, same page. That's it. We're now on the same level as the characters, which is a cool feeling. It is. It really mm-hmm. is. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, you know, again, there's a lot of things that happen with this episode, you know, not just out of the hurley of it all, but, you know, like, you, yeah, with everything at the end. And we're going to we got a nice little break in this episode from all of the stuff that happened on Hydra Island. And we're done with Hydra Island because even Ben and Jack and, and Juliet we saw them last week leaving Hydra Island. So we're now moving, as you mentioned earlier, we're moving into a new phase of this series. And this was such a great launching episode to do that. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, we're seeing the team broken up again, but now it's it's become a rescue mission. Uh, and we're going to find out that it is not going to work out as easily as they plan, as they think it's going to go. Because Kate just has this idea that she's going to rush in there. She's going to find them. She's going to run in and, and rescue him. And it's that's not how it happens at all. Not one bit. And I love the fact that we are getting a new character next week as well. Um, a character that we have seen, but we have not officially met yet. And that is the one-eyed Russian. Oh, as, that's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I like him. We we meet Michael. Uh, Michael. 
next week in the next episode, which is very like this cool. Enter, uh, enter 77, I think, is the next episode. I'll have to look yes, before we. Uh, it is. It's enter. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, Enter 77. So um, I forget whose backstory that is. I think it's Saeed's. It's uh, Saeed's uh, coming to terms for being a torturer. Yes. So, but yeah, we meet Mikel next week, which is the one-eyed Russian. Um, but yeah, so I mean, you know, to die- Mr. Cluck's Chicken Shack, by That's the way. That's it. That's yeah. the one. Don't, don't worry. We were going to cut Linda Clay Clock in. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, you talk about a moment that goes back to the first day you and I met. First day, yeah, man. <laughs> we always land the plane. <laughs> yep. Linda click clocking. Oh my god, that that moment had me rolling, rolling. Thank that's you. That's where we be- that's where we became best friends. <laughs> Pretty much. That was that. Like I was so thankful we were in traffic when that moment happened. <laughs> Because if we were driving at like normal speed, I I would have had to have pulled over <laughs> because I was laughing so goddamn hard at that. Oh my god, that was yeah, that was that moment that I knew I was like, we're, did we just become best friends? <laughs> that was, nope, that was that stepbrothers moment. Um, oh my god, the click clacking. Um, <laughs> so. Anyway, I wanna I wanna kind of dive back into the the Hurley elements of everything, and not even the Hurley elements. We we touched base on it a lot, but and and we kind of jokingly mentioned it at the top of the podcast. But one of my other favorite moments of this episode, and it, it was kind of comedy gold, was the whole um, Sawyer teaching Jin English. Yes, you know, so good. We, we get two different elements of that in that, you know, we get obviously son is now saying, I'm just going to talk to you in English now. It's really the only way you're going to learn. But then we have Sawyer actually teaching him like things to say in English. And the things that he's teaching him to say are absolutely ridiculous. Um, I know. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. You were right. Those pants don't make you look fat. Like those are the only three things you you ever need to say to a woman <laughs> so typically Sawyer but so funny at the same time mm-hmm. you know I, like not only yeah, yeah. not only that but like the moments of the whole teaching people's names and then pointing to Hurley and saying international house of pancakes is just I know oh my god like it's a, again it's another insulting um thing but you know it's it's um that's his thing that's what Sawyer does yeah but it's still funny like he does it in such god like such a light-hearted way that like you can't help but laugh even though it's insulting well then he smiles with his dimples and you're like oh okay I forgive you yeah exactly so but you know I you know and it's it's funny like I really I really don't know if I have anything else about the episode. I think we've covered almost everything I had to talk about. I don't know well, if you had okay, anything else. So left. I do have a couple of things, but uh, one of, so I have a couple of like extra little notes here. I have uh, Vincent is living his best life on the island. <laughs> <laughs> he just always looks just real happy. He finds corpses and he leads people places and he has this whole jungle to just explore on. And he has all these people that want to pet him and he's not on a leash anymore. Um, 
You know, he's just, Vincent has just become like the camp dog that everybody loves. And he just appears. He's like a cat. He appears when he wants to. He disappears when he wants to. It's great. Um, and uh, one of my favorite lines was um, was Hurley say, uh, when he told Charlie that he had to follow Vincent. He said, if I'm not back in three hours, tell somebody. <laughs> yes. And I thought exactly. that's such a Gilligan thing to say, like Gilligan's Island for their three hour boat tour. And they never came back. <laughs> <laughs> and so I thought that was such a good Gilligan's Island like callback. If I'm not back in three hours, tell someone. <laughs> oh crap! I just thought of two more things I needed to talk about. But go ahead, continue. Um, I like it that we saw kind of the beginning of Hurley's um weight problem. Yeah, you know it. Uh, you know, his dad left, gave him a candy bar. He probably felt better after eating the candy bar. So he probably associated bad feelings with eating in that moment. And that's probably how it happened from there. And then when his dad comes back after 17 years, he goes, I guess you did. You really like those candy bars. It was like a dig at, Hey, I abandoned you and you got grossly obese. Uh, and, and, and it's like telling Hurley, you have all these problems and not taking, uh, responsibility or accountability for his actions against his family. Um, you know, that was, that was a, uh, you know, it, it was kind of a toss away scene, but if you really look at kind of the problem with broken families in today's world, you know, that is that's normal. That's the norm, you know, like especially with absent fathers. I mean, they just they make these jokes and they're in and out and they think that they're being like cool, you know, mystery dad. And really, you're a dick, man. You ruined your kid's life. Well, I, I want to say kind of like, though, in the defense of his father, you know, there is that there's no defense. Well, I don't know if I agree with that. There, There is that moment at the end when Hurley is packing up to go to Australia and you know, he admits to Hurley, he's like, yes, I'm here for the money. I came for the money. But like, I, if you feel like this trip, you know, is what will help you, you know, you need to get rid of the money, just save enough for a carburetor, which is kind of like, let's just take this back to before I left. And you like, he fully admitted he was there for the money. But in that moment, he kind of does show that like, his son is more important than the money. I don't know. I mean, you can't. That's that's saying let's forget about everything that happened. Oh, I'm not saying that's right. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, no. I understand what you're saying. But it's like you can't you can't go back. You can't erase. You can't erase 17 years of of absence with, hey, let's fix the car because Hurley's the one that kept the car. He forgot about the car. He forgot about his family. He left his wife to raise his son and 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 never came back until he until you know the uh Hurley's mom called him and told him that he had 156 million dollars you know and i mean just the way that his parents are anyways with the whole materialistic side of being a lotto winner while knowing that his son their son is just you know falling into this depression over the money because of this series of of bad luck that he's had and they're and they're and they continue to say oh my gosh just give it a rest who cares look at my solid gold jesus doll like i mean it's just to me it's gross i don't like no i i I have a thing about money i agree with you completely the whole and the whole i'm glad you brought it up the whole solid gold jesus thing is is kind of sickening in a way um 
Because it, again, like it, your your love for Jesus, if your love for Jesus was that strong, you wouldn't need a solid gold Jesus. Well, you're not supposed to worship idols, anyways. Exactly. I mean, that's 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 Old Testament logic. But um, it but the way that she was touching the Jesus doll, it wasn't about Jesus. It was about the gold, right? That's that's and that's worshiping false idols. You're not you're not worshiping Jesus in this moment. You are worshiping the gold, yeah. the solid you're, gold. You're worshiping that it the is. wealth rather than exactly the spirit. Yeah. And but that and 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 that's kind of a metaphor for for Hurley's family life after he wins the money. I mean, he lost his best friend and his girlfriend. His grandfather died. A meteor hit Mr. Cluck's chicken. His father comes back all of a sudden out of nowhere. His mother is talking to him about her needs. I mean, from from very very small uh very, very small annoyances to major deaths in his family, Hurley's not having a good time. And his parents could not care less. They're more worried about their own well-being than Hurley. Exactly. And and to me, that, I mean, it was just so good that he went to Australia and, and found the island, really. <laughs> yeah, but I mean- it, <laughs> So weird it, to say. And that leads us to like the whole final moment of that, like what that whole final moment with Hurley in the van, you know, which we, we haven't even talked about yet. But that, is, when I mentioned at the top of the podcast, there's that whole moment that is one of my favorite of the entire series. It's that van starting by him popping, by him popping the clutch. Oh, what a great moment. And you know, even after seeing it as many times as I, still I smile. have, I've seen this episode a lot. No, no, no. I still get real nervous about them <laughs> heading into those rocks. Like well, I still I still like lean forward a little bit. I'm like, oh my gosh, what's gonna happen? Kristen, you know it's gonna happen. No, but what's gonna happen? It's gonna change this time. I know. Well, did you notice too? It's kinda of, I don't know if it's kind of a little bit of symbolism too, but the rocks are black. It's Black Rock. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's mm -hmm. He's heading towards Black Rock. But, you know, that whole moment in itself is such a wonderful moment. And I think it's it's shared not just by Hurley, because Hurley is finally shaking this curse that he has felt is upon him. And I do legitimately think he was cursed because that amount. No, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, but I think in a way that curse is was literally just enough to bring him to the island. And now that he's there, because this is his destiny, as we find out by the end of the series, is this island ends up in Hurley's hands. Like, he becomes the new watcher of the island. Yeah, but you have to admit that he doesn't have the the, the smoothest road there. I mean, he lost his, his girlfriend. He's going to lose his best friend. I mean, he loses. I mean, he goes through some stuff. Oh, my God. To, to get to get to that. So the, the cycle isn't broken yet. No, this is what breaks it. Um, and I don't know, because Charlie's about to die, man. I know. God, I hate it. I don't want to talk about it, but I know we have to. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, and and as great as this episode is too, how kind of heartbreaking does this episode kick off with Hurley talking to Libby? You know, like, I, like he, everything that he went through yeah. from being hooded and having to find his way back, the one person, the only person he feels like he can find solace in is the person that's not there. And that's Libby. Hmm. You know, it's so sad, but you know, to see what end of the, like how it goes from one end to the other by the end of this episode is just, I, I, that's mm -hmm. one of the reasons I love this episode as much as I do. Yeah, you see a lot. You know what? You see a full range of Hurley. You see a full range of Sawyer. Um, 
you know what? And 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 those two characters, I really, I, I think that they display a lot of the heart of the show. Yeah. So. And we're gonna lose one. Soon. It's a big reason. Well, Charlie. Anyway. No, no, no. You see a full range of Sawyer. Yeah, you said Sawyer and, and Hurley. Um. Yeah, I did not say Charlie. Charlie. Charlie was mopey, and then he was happy, so I guess, yeah. Well, but see, All here's right. my thing about Charlie in that moment, too, is I think this is a little bit of a moment of clarity for Charlie as well, in a, in a way. Um, <laughs> was so scared. Uh, well, because, so well, funny. but here's like, the- Why are we here? <laughs> well, but here's the thing. Like, he has this whole thing with Desmond that Desmond believes he's going to die, and then and then Hurley looking at Charlie and saying, I think he might be right. It's like, wait a minute, you're, <laughs> you're not supposed to agree with him. <laughs> Um, you know, but there's that moment that like, there's all these different times where Desmond has saved Charlie's life. Um, and I think this kind of relates to that because I think Charlie probably has it in the back of his mind, or at least I did as a viewer, where the reason why Charlie takes shotgun is because he probably believes that if this isn't going to work, if we're going to die in this crash, Desmond would have stopped this by now. So this is going to work. Because... Mm-hmm. Because Desmond would have taken this role instead of me. Desmond oh, would be that's here. A, if, that's a very yeah, good point. Very this, good point. If we were going to crash and die, Desmond would have prevented this from happening. But Desmond's not here, so this is mm. going to work. And I'm going to get in this van with Hurley. Yeah. I, yeah. And I, I think there's a part of that being Charlie's thought process in this. You know? And I, 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 and I love that. I think that's, I think that's why I think it's rather important that charlie is a part of this scene mm-hmm. but you know let's kind of fast forward to when the van actually starts and they go around i smile every time i i so here's my reaction i've watched this i've watched this particular episode a number of times but i've watched this particular scene more times than i can count i oh and my reaction is the same every time when you see the van turn and Shambhala comes on and you get the camera on <laughs> Sawyer and Sawyer's like, well, son of a bitch. I always laugh. And then the camera pans over to Jin and he screams Hurley with his hands up. I smile bigger than I've ever smiled. Be- yeah. Because just you don't need to speak English to know the impact of that scene. You're right. Absolutely. Jin didn't need to understand English to know this is a good thing. And I love right. that. You know, so hearing him cheer for Hurley, whether he knows English or not, I find that wonderful. I absolutely find that wonderful. I do too. I I agree. Wholeheartedly agree. Great moment. Yeah. Oh, that's a that's a nice place to stop. Well, I have two more discussions. And, and unfortunately, I have two more things that we have to talk about. Um, oh, well, you just ruined it. I know. <laughs> I should have saved, <laughs> saved it. I should have saved it for last. I know. I'm sorry. This is okay. This um, is okay. So there are two things in this episode that we are going to see again. They're not throwaway moments. One of them even more so than the other. So real quick, let's talk about the Camaro. This is not the last time we see this Camaro. We see this Camaro one more time in the series, and it happens in the season premiere of episode four, which is a very big moment. And again, we're getting season four. What did I say? Episode four? Sorry. Yeah. Again, we're we're diving into spoiler territory here. Um, 
that Camaro is very important to that, to the opening of the season four premiere. And that this is one of the first times that we realize fully. These are flash forwards, not flashbacks, because we see that Camaro in a car chase being by being followed by police. And we see Jack making at home, making himself a drink, watching this on television. And when the car is finally stopped, who steps out is Hurley claiming, do you know who I am? I'm one of the Oceanic Six. And that is a huge pivotal moment to the future of the series because it changes yeah. everything. Yeah, you're right. And that's the Camaro. Nice catch. That is the car he is driving is that Camaro that he finally gets started. Um, the other one I want to make mention of, and this is the bigger one. Uh, we met a character in this episode in we sort of met a character in this episode who's going to play a big part in a few in the future. Or the past, rather. Is his name? Is his name Roger Workman? <laughs> his name is Roger Workman, <laughs> aka Roger Linus. That man, yep. is Ben's father. We actually are going to find out more about him in ten episodes. So it is this season that we meet Roger. Okay, yeah. man behind the curtain. That's when. That's when the purge happens. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, but yeah, we're going to, he is, we're going to get more of him later as well. When we get to like the whole time travel elements. Um, but Roger is not a throwaway character. He is Ben's father and we're going to meet him later in the series. Ben's father air quotes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Daddy issues. Island of daddy da issues. <laughs> Island of daddy issues. Uh, but after I've said that, I will just say how wonderful is it that Jin throws his hands up and cheers for Sawyer. So or, or cheers for Hurley. There, there. I brought it back. No, no. You ruined it. <laughs> I know I ruined it. <laughs> I thought I just reiterated to bring it back and it didn't work. <laughs> I tried. I tried so hard. Ugh, you failed. No, I'm just I kidding. Know. You're great. You're awesome. Oh, you're a liar. <laughs> I am not. I'm I a delight. Know, I am a treasure. You are. You're like a Tom Hanks of this podcast. You're a national. <laughs> not just Can of I this be related to Mr. Rogers. And <laughs> hey, man, Tom Hanks is. So, um, yeah, so we do have a couple pieces of feedback. We got voicemails again this week from our buddies, Des and Steve. Uh, but before we do that, we want to encourage you guys to leave us uh, feedback for the episodes as well. There are multiple ways you can do that. Do that. Uh, first and foremost, we are on Facebook at facebook.com slash lost revisited. We are on Twitter at lost revisit pod. You can send us an email at lost revisited pod at gmail.com. And if you'd like to leave us a message, you can record it. And you can send it to our email address. Just as Des and Steve do every week. So uh, we started with Des last week. Let's start with Steve this week. So okay. um, yeah, here it is. Uh, here's our voicemail from our buddy Steve. Hello. Have to go back. Lost Revisited. Uh, this is Steve and this is for Trisha Tanaka is dead. I uh, absolutely love this episode. I, I, uh, I know you talked uh, a while ago about trying to get somebody on. Uh, with you this episode. That's why I didn't say names, because uh, I don't know, maybe you have a third person with you this week. Uh, nope, sorry. <laughs> that all worked out, but I uh, uh, absolutely love this episode. It's, it's just so much fun to it. I, I love when Hurley finds the, 
the 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 VW bus there, and he he's trying to recruit people to help him, and everybody leaves except for Jen, and he's like, "You have no idea what you just volunteered for." <laughs> um, just absolutely love it. I love them finding the beer and him knowing that that was going to be the thing that would convince Sawyer to help him. Uh, I love mm-hmm. when he comes back. And uh, Sawyer calls him, uh, what was it, Jumbotron? And, uh, <laughs> That's right, I forgot. Early says, uh, Redneck Man, and Sawyer just, touche. Uh, <laughs> so it was great. Uh, absolutely love the English lessons with with Jen uh, and Sawyer uh, there teaching him what to say. And uh, just there's so much fun in this episode that I just love. And um, do you think when Charlie got in that VW uh, – to uh, to push it down the to get it pushed down the cliff. Do you think he was realizing that in a way he was protecting Hurley because uh, Desmond had not predicted he would die this way, and so uh, in a way he knew it was going to turn out great, or that it was at least going to turn out safe. Um, whatever was great minds, uh, but uh, anyway, uh, I just uh, again I just go back to so much fun about this episode because the, the tragedy of Trisha Tanaka and her cameraman, and uh, just, uh, anyway, there's so many moments, and I'm sure you're going to talk about a lot of them, and, and I could go on and on for a much longer time than I'm going to spend <laughs> here with it, uh, but uh, uh gave you a few of my favorite moments, and uh, Ben, I have all, I just ordered the season three soundtrack off from your uh, <laughs> recommendation, because I, uh, I really love it, and I hope they have that the orchestral or is that the word orchestral version of Shambhala is on that album. It's on it. Hear that. Uh, that was great there at the end. All right. Talk to you later. Yeah, it's, it's on that soundtrack, Steve. So, uh, cause I've listened to it a number of times. It's, it's a great soundtrack. Um, and you're right. Yeah. It, I, and I, <laughs> I don't even want to say like great minds because Steve actually put it a little bit better than I did. In like I said, like I thought Charlie's thought process was like, I'm going to do this because I, I'm, I'm not predicted to die. But Steve kind of took it a step further in saying like this was Charlie protecting Hurley, like making sure nothing would happen to Hurley, too. If nothing would happen to him, nothing would happen to Hurley. So looking at it in that aspect, I, I like it even more that that was the thought process that he was protecting Hurley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I love it. I love it. I, I love that thought process. Uh, one more voicemail, uh, and that is from our buddy Des. So let's play that now. Oh, wait, this isn't the voicemail. <laughs> you started singing it, and I had it in my head. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, no, here we go. <laughs> That's not the way it goes, but I love it. I don't care. <laughs> I know. Like I said, that's not the way it goes, but I don't care. I love it. <laughs> um, no, here we go. Here's a voicemail from our buddy Des. Hey, guys, calling in about Trisha Tanaka is dead. Hopefully you can get Kristen off of Twitter long enough just to record this episode. <laughs> Uh, really like this episode. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of notes on it. It was just really good. A couple of things that struck me, though. They tried really, really hard to make Hurley's parents look young. They failed miserably. I know they really wanted uh, 
Cheech Marin to play the part, but they probably should have gotten somebody younger to play the younger father and just brought Cheech in for the older parts. Uh, did you see the rabbit's foot on the keychain? Yes, indeed. Whole thing about luck. Yeah. And why couldn't Randy Nations have been inside the restaurant when it blew up? <laughs> I'm sure John Locke would have appreciated that. And I think this was the first episode with Roger Linus, kind of. Um, can't wait to see John Grease actually play him. Uh, really liked him on uh, Pretender back when he played Brutes. Who's old enough to remember that? Not me. Uh, I think I'm going to let <laughs> you guys go. Talk to you later. Bye. <laughs> He, uh, I am on I am on Twitter a lot. <laughs> I I went on Twitter to go figure it out for uh, the podcast, and then I realized I could scream into the void on my own tr- Twitter account, and I just feel better when I'm done. So, <laughs> if you'd like to know my political interests, and I invite you to check me out on Twitter. <laughs> What's your Twitter handle if people want to follow you? Good luck finding it. No way. I don't need hate mail. <laughs> All right. Good call. That was probably the smartest thing you could have done. <laughs> um, yeah. Thank you, Stephen Des, for the feedback as always. Uh, we love it when you guys leave us, for, leave us feedback. It's so great. So, and again, we encourage everybody to do so. At, at you know, we're we're gonna probably most likely use it uh, every week whenever we get it. So. Uh, if you like the episode, you know, if you want to talk about future episodes, we can always hold it until we do those episodes. If you're ahead of us in the rewatch, it's fine. I, I have I, I have feedback in our in our email waiting for when we do expose, um, which we're still a couple episodes. <laughs> we're still like four or five episodes away from. So uh, I hope that the Mandalorian has a really good episode that week so we could talk. about it. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because the <laughs> feedback that we got on talking about Disney Plus was actually kind of positive. We didn't get oh, that's any... good because we really went off. <laughs> yeah, we didn't get any any negative feedback from diving into the Disney Plus stuff. It was all positive feedback. So, you know, we still gave people a full podcast, which was great. Can we talk about how good Mandalorian is? Um, it's. I think the second episode was better than the first one. It well, the second episode really sets up what the series is actually going to be about. Well, yeah, and can 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 we can can I talk about okay? We can listen sp- if, if you, you haven't if you seen it. If you want to spend a couple minutes on it, I don't I don't see a problem. Well, I'm just saying if you haven't seen it, then earmuffs or just like go forward a couple of minutes because I'm going to talk about something real quick We're, that is on the Mandalorian. We've gone from the ma- the manifest minutes to the Mandalorian minutes, so it's okay. That's fine. <laughs> I love baby Yoda species so much. That I can't like handle how much I love like his little face. He keeps getting out of the crib. Oh my god! He obviously, he obviously wants to heal the Mandalorian, and he just keeps putting him back in the crib. It is, it's hilarious. Like I found myself laughing like the whole way through because Baby Yoda is just like he's just he's like a kitten. He just like yeah. you're like, how'd you get out of your crib, man? The the <laughs> scene where he just kept walking up to him, trying to heal him, and he just kept putting him back in. <laughs> yes. Oh my god, it was adorable. Like I loved it so much. Uh huh. Yeah, and I love the I have spoken guy. I mean. I'm just oh and so I was talking to my friend Eric um about this the other day and I asked if the Jawas were 
native to Tatooine. And apparently they are native to Tatooine, but they're not on Tatooine. So how, what, what, how did the Jawas get there? They have their like little salvage ship, whatever. Like they seem very comfortable on this planet, but it's not Tatooine. So, I mean, do we just see Jawas everywhere? Like I'm really, I'm really thinking about the Jawas here. I thought they were on Tatooine too. No, he told me that he looked at Wikipedia and Wikipedia said that they're not on Tatooine. Yeah, I don't know then. I, I thought they were on Tatooine because of the Jawas, but I guess I did it's too. a desert planet like Tatooine. Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, apparently not, I guess. Yeah, but that would, they- that would that that causes an interesting question then. Then how do the Jawas get to different planets? Well, and were the Jawas on Jakku in The Force Awakens when they tried to take BB-8? Um, I don't think that, I don't, I don't think that was, that wasn't a Jawa that tried to take, that tried to take BB-8. That wasn't a Jawa. Are we sure? Yeah, that was just another scavenger. That wasn't a Jawa. It was Tito. His name was Tito. Oh, okay. That's Tito. He'll sell you for parts. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that wasn't, (laughs) yeah, Tito wasn't a Jawa. (sighs) Okay. Um. No, but I yeah, I gotta you're look right. into the, this more. the the Mandal the Mandalorian is wonderful. Like I love it. It's it's so good, and I I want to reiterate this again too, since we're just talking about it real quick. Um, if you haven't started it yet, my God, the world according to Jeff Goldblum is wonderfully amazing. The second episode oh, I of just that, watched sneakers. No ice cream. Well, that's the second episode. Yeah, yeah. So and it's so, great. Have you seen Imagineering yet? Not yet, but I want to. That's it's like next on my so list. So good. It's there's, so good. There's two episodes of that out now too, I think, right? Yeah. So okay. it's um it's Walt Disney starting Disneyland and like kind of what he went through to open up the park and everything, which is fascinating. The whole thing is fascinating. And then the second episode, I haven't seen it yet, but it's what happened because he died very suddenly. He didn't tell anybody that he was sick. That he had cancer, and they yeah. were were they were just starting on uh, the Orlando Park uh, when he died. So the next episode is about what, like, kind of the fallout from that, and and how they picked up the pieces and and kept going. So I I haven't seen it yet. I'm really excited, but the first episode of Imagineering, A plus, awesome, wonderful. Well, yeah, because I don't think a lot of people realize that, and it wasn't even something that I learned until maybe about ten years ago. Is that Disneyland actually came first? Yeah. I, I was always under the impression that World was first and then Disneyland was just a smaller park they opened because of less land in California. But no, Disneyland mm-hmm. was first and then they bought Very... the land for Orlando. Mm-hmm. Right. No, and so, you, you should watch it. It's really good. I want and to. Also, it's, oh, it's on my list. Forky asks a question. I saw it. probably one of my it. favorite things ever. Did you watch both of them? There's another one? Yeah. It's, oh, it's, it's I watched the one friend. on money. Yeah. No, this one is what is a friend, and it's awesome. It's it's just as good. I, I um, it's, it might be my new favorite. Series. I I want to say I want to say another one too that actually is on my list to watch. I haven't started yet, but Des, uh, our buddy Des, actually is the one. He messaged me, I guess, after our conversation about Disney Plus, about a show that he watched on Disney Plus, and it was already on my list, and I haven't started it yet. Is Encore? Uh, with, oh with yeah, Kristen I've Bell. heard that from. I've heard everybody that I know at here where I live talk about it, and they say the same thing. 
Yeah, I've heard it's wonderful. So that's another one I'm going yeah. to watch too. Disney Plus has just been amazing so far. I love it. And and I have to like kind of ration it out because I go on there and I feel like I just get sucked into this like time warp. Like all of a sudden it's three hours later. So <laughs> yep. I... So I need to like, I need to make sure I have the time to be on Disney Plus because I'm just, I love every second of it. Every second of it. It has all of my fandoms except with the exception of Harry Potter on there. Yeah. So yeah, it's, you know, again, you know, so many different things that are on there from, you know, from the original Gargoyles cartoons, which I know a lot of people are loving being on there to, you know, DuckTales and Gummy Bears and and stuff um you know and i noticed oh my son is all about old mickey mouse cartoons like we've seen steamboat willie way too many times uh, yeah. yeah i remember you talked about that last point. week is that was how you started was the mickey mouse stuff yeah i love the fact that fantasia is on there because a fantasia is it's one of those movies that not everybody really appreciates as much as i do um i definitely don't it, well because it's music i mean that's really and that's not to say you don't like music but it's it's Literally all Fantasia is is just animations put to classical music. Um, I was a musician in high school. I was a music musician in college, so I really appreciate it. And Fantasia is actually where my all-time favorite Disney character comes from, and that's Mickey Mouse as the Sorcerer's Apprentice. <sighs> I, I Mickey as the Sorcerer's Apprentice is to this day my still my all-time favorite Disney character. Buzz Lightyear being a very close second. Um, but I yeah. like. I really like Forky. <laughs> Forky is so fantastic. So um, Disney on Ice is actually coming here to the Philadelphia area in next month, and I'm thinking about actually taking uh, my friend and her daughter to go see. Oh, it. very nice. Yeah, that'll be do, fun. They're doing road trip adventures, and it's uh, like all the Disney characters. Like I think Forky's even a part of it too, which is really cool. He um, better be. But it's like Mary Poppins and Moana and like it's all the Disney characters and they're all on a road trip together, which I think is oh, going to be a lot of fun. That, that'll be a lot of fun. Especially taking a five-year-old. I think just seeing her enjoy it will be like, will make it that much enjoyable for me. Oh, yeah. So I'm reliving fun. my childhood with my kids. Yeah, it'll be fun. I took I took um this same. um I, It's my friend Brianna, possibly more than friends. We don't know yet. We were at one time. Now we might be again. <laughs> Trying not to reveal too You're much just information. Like laying out all your shit. I know. On, I'm trying not to on a podcast. But, but anyway, I took um her. I took her daughter Ellie to see Marvel Heroes Live, uh, that big stunt show that they did, and it's very cheesy. It's very obviously for kids. But watching her enjoy it was like that made it so much more enjoyable for me. So. Anyway, I, I, I digress. Um, yes, you do. I don't really think we need to do any recommendations this week because we kind of did it again in the form of Disney Plus. Again. No, it's Disney Plus and Mandalorian. Yeah. Get on it, people. Exactly. <laughs> uh, any final words before we kind of wrap this up? No, I'm good. I've, I've said all the words. Cool. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, again, next episode, we're going to be talking about uh, episode 11, Enter 77, which is a Saeed flashback, and we're going to meet Michael, as we mentioned before. But until that time, please feel free to leave us any feedback that you would like uh, for these episodes as we continue forward. Uh, thank you for liking, commenting, subscribing, listening, all that you guys do. But until next time, I'll see you guys further on down that rabbit hole. Take care. McClucky. Oh.
so kind of 